That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Bunny? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. And if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to the show to be named later where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing good. We got we got some good players and some good teams to talk about today. One player in particular, obviously, but I'm excited for this one. Yeah, we got Steve Carlton today here in part one of episode 70. Steve Carlton, uh, you know, in terms of importance to the game, he was uh, one of those one of those guys where in that era of pitching, uh, starting pitching, dominating, you know, we've we've talked about like 1968 after 1968, they had to lower the mounds because pitching was so good. But it, it kind of the dominance of pitching kind of uh, continued into the 70s. And there were so many good starting pitchers. We already covered Fergie Jenkins. He was one of them kind of low key under the radar and Steve Carlton uh, kind of a, a more low key under the radar guy too. Cause you know, the Tom Seaver's kind of the headliner, but you know, you also have your Steve Carlton's your, your Fergie Jenkins is. And uh, yeah, Steve Carlton is the man we are talking about. Um, I, I feel like, cause personally I didn't find out, I didn't really like hear his name and hear how great he was until I was like maybe 17 or something like yeah. that. I was like junior, senior in high school. Like they'd show him on MLB network. I'd be like, wait a second. Like this guy was really good. Yeah. Like I heard him on, uh, I heard about him on starting nine, I think. Yeah. Uh, it was like one of those, you know, Jay Hay was doing one of his stats where it's like, you know, this guy's having one of four seasons in which blank, blank, blank. And it was like Steve Carlton's 1972. That makes sense. Yeah, that was amazing. But little did we know, you know, he's one of, you know, four men to have four Cy Youngs and also one of four men to have 4,000 strikeouts. That's right. So let's get into this. Steve Carlton. Let's do it. So Steve Carlton, uh, he was born, you know, he, he goes along with the trend of American baseball players being born in Florida, Texas, or California. Uh, Steve Carlton was born in Miami, Florida. And uh, according to Society of American Baseball Research, here's a quote from Society of American Baseball Research. It says, quote, as a boy, Steve liked to hunt. Uh, One time while he was rabbit hunting in the Everglades, his rifle jammed, his rifle jammed. So he picked up a rock from 90 feet away and hit a rabbit in the head. He was also known to knock off a line of birds hanging from telephone wires with just a handful of rocks. Once, Carlton flung an axe toward a quail that had been take that had taken shelter between the branches of an oak tree, uh, and with incredible precision, he sliced the head off the bird. So, Steve Carlton, from a young age, was doing incredible stuff with his arm. Uh, People forget. People forget that Steve Carlton was actually the original Randy Johnson. Yeah. In that yeah. he was the OG bird hunter. Exactly. He was uh he was he was the OG. And um, you know, <laughs> you want to talk about hitting your spots. There's <laughs> there's a guy that can hit his spots. And Steve Carlton also, fascinatingly enough, you don't see this a lot, 
He also became a big believer in Eastern philosophy and uh, took to heart its teachings about meditation and focus and things of that nature. And Carlton also played baseball and basketball at North Miami High School. Um, initially, he had no plans beyond high school or attending a major university. And his senior year of high school, he decided to quit basketball and focus solely on baseball. And after high school, he ended up attending Miami-Dade College, which was a relatively new college. And in the fall of his sophomore year at Miami-Dade College, he signed a $5,000 bonus, uh, a $5,000 bonus contract with the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, beginning his professional baseball career. So all of a sudden, this man of meditation, this man of incredible incredible precision on birds is now a professional baseball player so of course you got to start out in the minors just like everybody else and in 1964 steve carlson got off to a pretty good start 222 era with 9.7 strikeouts per nine innings and 178 innings pitched between a ball and double a so he's already moving up in the ranks pretty quickly and in 1965 he made he made the major league roster out of spring training believe it or not he made 15 appearances throughout the season, pretty sporadically, uh, 13 relief appearances and two starts, and had a very quality season, a 2.52 ERA, 3.48 FIP, 156 ERA plus in 25 and two-thirds innings pitched. How about that? A 2.52 ERA in 25 and two-thirds innings pitched. It's very consistent. Yes. So it was a good debut season from Steve Carlton. So uh, he keeps it going. 19, 1966 now. He puts up a 3.59 ERA in 128 innings pitched in AAA, and then was called back up to the majors to put up a 3.12 ERA with a 3.13 FIP in nine starts and 52 innings pitched. So now in St. Louis, you know this is where we start to see the glimpses of the greatness that will later come from him. On September 20th, 1967, he became the first pitcher to strike out 16 plus batters over eight or fewer innings. Pretty incredible. Very so, incredible. During the season as a whole, he had a 298 ERA and a 110 ERA plus in 193 and a third innings pitched. And then he finished third in strikeouts per nine with 7.8 and FIP with 2.47. He finished eighth in F war and the Cardinals went on to go 101 and 60 and win the national league pennants. And by that standard, since it was 1967, that meant they go right to the World Series. So now in Game 5 of the World Series, with a chance to clinch, he allowed three hits on one run that was unearned, and he struck out five in five batters in six innings. But unfortunately for him, the Cardinals' offense didn't score in the ninth, and the bullpen actually allowed two runs. So Carlton and the, the Cardinals suffered a 3-1 defeat to the Red Sox. But they did original, initially win the series in seven games. He did. And then we go on to 1968, the uh, year of the pitcher, the, the uh, modern era year of the pitcher. And uh, we'll start out 1968 with a quote from Society of American Baseball Research. Another one, shout out to them. And here's the quote. The most dominant force on the, on the successful Cardinals teams of the 1960s was pitcher Bob Gibson. He was the most competitive and most feared pitcher of his era. He saw the battle between a pitcher and batter as a simple act of survival. Sandy Koufax was Picasso, but Bob Gibson was the Terminator. 
and Steve Carlton wanted to be just like him. Carlton watched Gibbs watched Gibson go about his daily business, how he con- how he conducted himself on the mound. Unquote. So Steve Carlton, uh, from a young age, was kind of taking inspiration from the legends ahead of him, and luckily, he was able to uh, have a very good teammate um, in that era. And Steve Carlton ended up having a 2.99 ERA, uh, however, a 97 ERA plus because you know year of the pitcher. So a 2.99 ERA in the National League was uh, below average uh, in 1968. But he also had a 2.43 FIP in 232 innings pitched. He ended up finishing ninth in F WAR uh, because of that nice fielding independent pitching, and his two seasons with 190 plus innings pitched and a FIP below 2.5 through the age 23 season are tied for the most such seasons in the live ball era with Burt Flylevin and Dwight Gooden. Dwight Gooden recently uh, turned 56. So happy happy belated birthday to him. But anyway, the Cardinals once again won the pennant with a 97 and 65 record going to the world series. However, Carlton did not play a very big role. He played the mop-up role in games two and six, uh, and he allowed a combined three runs in four innings, and the Cardinals lost the series in seven games. So he was not a multiple, multiple-time multiple World Series champion quite yet. And then on to 1969, um, starts out with a little story from the offseason heading into into the 1969 season uh in the prior off season in japan he had been experimenting with a slider uh which had been taken as from inspiration of uh bob gibson's slider and after he fooled a hitter whom he had been homered twice off of uh he quote knew he had something unquote and eventually uh in that season he added that slider to his arsenal and with this addition, he went on to have his best season yet. Went on to finish sixth in strikeouts per nine with 8.0, fifth in hits per nine with 7.0, second in ERA with 2.17, and third in ERA plus with 164, uh, all while throwing 236 and two thirds innings pitch. He ended up finishing seventh in B War, and also what should be noted. Made history that season in that nineteen in that nineteen sixty nine season. Uh, on September fifteenth, he struck out nineteen batters in nine innings in a four to three loss. Uh, oddly enough, and he ended up breaking the record for strikeouts in a regulation game. Of course, it's since been broken, but still, at the time, set the record for most strikeouts in a regulation game. So on in nineteen seventy. So now the decade has turned, and Steve Carlton has already established himself as one of the best strikeout artists of all time, even, uh, with some of his performances. And he continued that at the start of the season. On May 21st, he had his second game with 16-plus strikeouts in eight or fewer innings. At the time, he was still the only pitcher to do it, period. And he had multiple games of it. And to this day, he is one of three pitchers to have multiple games of 16-plus strikeouts in eight or fewer innings. The other two are Jake Peavy and Randy Johnson. So uh, not bad quality, to, not bad company to be with. 
So after the 1969 season, he wanted a raise in salary from $26,000 a year to $50,000 a year. And Carlton held out uh, on sp at spring training. And he ended up putting up a 373 ERA, 111 ERA plus, and 3.71 FIP in 253 and two-thirds innings pitched. And part of this decline in performance had to do with Carlton not throwing his slider as much, which was rumored to be because the Cardinals didn't want him to throw it. They wanted him to stop throwing it because uh, they thought it was compressing or compromising with his curveball. So also during the season, a, a night watchman at the field known as Briggs began writing four to five letters a week to Steve Carlton com uh, containing snippets of two German philosophers. And Carlton used those uh, for spiritual guides for him throughout the year. So he was kind of like, uh, you know, Joe Boo from Major League. Like that was kind of his Joe Boo. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was his 1970 season. And 1971, uh, not necessarily as eventful, but still very good. Uh, 356 ERA with 102 ERA plus, 342 FIP and 273 in the third innings pitched. And he finished seventh in innings pitched, fifth in complete games with 18, and fifth in shutouts with four. So now we move on to 1972. And if you know about Steve Carlton, you likely know about 1972. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of a year that's just, that's the Steve Carlton year. So on February 25th of 1972, probably in spring training, uh, he was traded to the Philadelphia Phillies for Rick Wise. And, you know, he was very angered by this trade because he was going from the Cardinals, who, was con who were consistently in the pennant race, to the Phillies, who were definitely not uh, consistently in the pennant race. They were mostly a last place team. And he was so angered by the trade he called the head of the Players Association, Marvin Miller, uh, now Hall of Famer, and he called him to see if there was anything that uh, Steve Carlton could do about this trade. And ultimately, he was told by Miller he could either accept the trade or retire. Uh, so Steve Carlton ultimately decided to accept. Imagine if that was it. Imagine if he was like, all right, I'll go. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, we miss we miss out on... The, yeah like one of the greatest seasons ever and one of the greatest careers ever. Yeah. Could you imagine? So, you know, he he's told to accept the trade. He accepts the trade and he started the season out by allowing just two runs in his first three starts in 26 innings pitched. And, you know, these were eventful. These were an eventful three starts to start his 1972 season. In his second start of the season, he faced his former team, uh, the team that, that traded him, and he defeated his mentor, Bob Gibson, in a one nothing game uh, where Carlton threw a three-hit shutout. And in his third start, he put up the 11th game ever with a game score of 98 or higher in nine or fewer innings, and uh, the fifth game ever with nine plus innings pitched, less than two hits allowed, less than two walks, and 14 plus strikeouts in a shutout over the Giants. So he was, you know, sort of ahead of his time uh, early in this 1972 season. However, in his next nine starts, put up a, I would say, pedestrian 4.02 ERA in 69 and a third innings pitched. But after that, in his next and final 29 starts, 
posted a 1.54 ERA in 251 innings pitched. And the Phillies weren't necessarily on a rotation uh, in 1972. And they usually just put Carlton on the mound every four days, whether three games were played in between starts or not. And this enabled Steve Carlton to have significantly more starts and innings than everyone else. Because, you know, a normal team in the 70s, I guess. Hey, uh, so Trevor Bauer better take note of that and show it to any team that that is trying to pursue him. Yeah. Point out, you know, hey, Trevor Bauer, here's some bulletin board material. I'm about to go over what made Steve Carlton's 1972 so great. Maybe you could. On four days rest like you want or every fourth game like you want. Yeah, every every four days. So like a normal team in the 70s, they'd have four guys. Um, they'd have four guys in a rotation. And even if you have a day off, you know, the rotation doesn't skip. This wasn't really the case. Steve Carlton was just put on every fourth day for the most part. And it worked for him. He had 41 starts uh, in 1972. No one else had more than 37, which is a pretty large gap in terms of starts. Usually it's a tie for first, but, you know, four starts between first and second in that category. He also had 346 and a third innings pitch. No one else in major league or uh, no one else in the national league had more than 290. It was insane. And the gap in innings was so large that he allowed the most hits in the national league, despite finishing second in fewest hits per nine innings pitched with a 6.7 hits per nine. That's pretty wild to think about. If you can, if you can comprehend that. And also in 1972, he finished fourth in strikeouts per nine with 8.1 and second in shutouts with eight. And now we get into what he led the league in, which was a lot of categories in 1972. Led the league in wins with 27, complete games with 30, strikeouts with 310, strikeout to walk ratio with 3.6, FIP with a 201 FIP, ERA with a 1.97 and ERA plus with a 182 ERA plus. He also led the league in both B war and F war. And he was the winner in 27 of the Phillies 59 wins, which is 46%. And one thing I also didn't put in the prep sheet, he was the first uh, Cy Young winner on a uh, last place team. First, first guy to ever win the Cy Young on a last place team. They might as well. They might as well have just renamed the whole team after him. Like they should have just went full Cleveland Nats. Yeah, he at that point. It, yeah, it was the Philadelphia Carltons. He won forty six percent of their games, uh, <laughs> or forty six percent of their wins. It's crazy. Almost half of them. Um, yeah, he he carried the entire team, and in the live ball era. This 1972 season by Steve Carlton had the lowest OPS against in a season in which 1,300 batters or more were faced. He had a 548 OPS against uh, with more than 1,300 batters faced in a season. Pretty crazy. Nowadays, you don't see a lot of guys getting 800 batters faced. And also, it is the only season... In the live ball era, with 345 plus innings pitch and a whip of less than one. How about that? It is also the only 
season in the live ball era with 325 plus innings pitched, 300 plus strikeouts, and an ERA plus of 180 or higher. It is also the only season in the live ball era with 340 plus innings pitched and a strikeout to walk ratio of 3.5 or higher. How about that? It is also the only season in the live ball era with 340 plus innings pitched, an ERA of less than 2.1 and a FIP of less than 2.1. And it is the only season in baseball history only season in baseball history with 325 plus innings pitched, eight plus strikeouts per nine, and an ERA plus of 180 or higher. How about that? And also his 1972 season uh, has the second highest B war for a single season in the live ball era uh, and the second highest F war for a single season all time. Uh, crazy. It's historically one of the greatest seasons ever produced by a pitcher. And uh, he just, he just kind of did it in a random spot. All of a sudden he just became this and he won the Cy Young unanimously, of course, and he finished fifth in the MVP vote. So now we head to 1973 and it's like Steve Carlton, is this going to be the, the era of Steve Carlton, the, the mid, early to mid seventies. Is this, is he going to go on a rain? You know, we covered uh, Greg Maddox last week, doing four Cy Youngs in a row. He usually followed his Cy Young up with another Cy Young, another Cy Young as good of a season, or maybe an even better season. Can we see an even better season from Steve Carlton? And according to his 1973, this was, this was just not the case. Uh, Oddly enough, he fell right back to earth put up a 390 ERA, a 97 ERA plus, and a 352 FIP in 293 and a third innings pitched. He finished, he still finished fifth in strikeouts per nine with 6.8 and second in strikeouts with 223. Uh, led the league in innings pitched in complete games, uh, had 18 complete games. And also he finished tied for seventh in F4. And some off the field things for Steve Carlton during the season, he had uh, started to stop talking to reporters uh, due to the fact that it broke his concentration, wanted to be focused on the mound. He, you know, from an early age, he kind of uh, indoctrinated the teachings of, of meditation and he didn't want to be distracted. And he thought that the media was distracting him. Also, he would always, he, even with refusal to talk to reporters, he would always talk to the Philadelphia radio crew. However, it would never be about baseball. It would always be subjects other than baseball. You know, I'm kind of, I'd like to kind of go into the archive of that and, and see those uh, Philadelphia radio interviews. Maybe one day we will see. But, you know, uh, one of the greatest seasons of all time, followed by a very mediocre season oddly enough you know people have made so many excuses over the years to not talk to the media like you know like roberto clemente did it because like they used broken english you know they sort of misquoted him like people just overall just don't like you know be, they feel like they're under attack almost steve carlson was just like nah i just gotta relax you guys are <laughs> you guys are preventing me from doing that yeah exactly uh 
yeah, he he just wanted that uh, that that samurai focus. Mm-hmm. So now we move on to 1974, uh, and he's still. I mean, it's you, you, he, does, he doesn't get back to his, his 72 uh, pitching, but he, he's still a respectable enough pitcher. 322 ERA, 118 ERA plus, and a 332 fifth in 291 innings pitched. He finished third in innings pitched and second in strikeouts per nine with 7.4. He led the league in strikeouts with 240, and he finished ninth in baseball reference war and eighth in Fangraphs war. So that was it for 1974. Now on 1975, uh, he had a 3.56 ERA, 105 ERA plus, 3.55 FIP, and 255.1 innings pitched. You know, I'm noticing with all these FIPs, like he's not particularly getting lucky or unlucky. Like he's got a very uh, predictable ERA all these seasons. Like the FIP is always within like five points. Yeah, it seems it seemed like it uh, at least uh, kind of in the early middle of his part career. of it. Yeah. Um, it's always within at least like 20 points, which is not that bad. And he finished seventh in innings pitch that season, fifth in strikeouts per nine with 6.8 and fourth in strikeouts overall with 192. So then we move on to 1976. Uh, it started out very rough. He had a seven, seven, two, seven ERA through his first five starts. And through his next 30 starts, he picked it up a lot and had a two, six, six ERA and in the end, he finished with a 3.13 ERA, 113 ERA plus, 2.93 FIP, and 2.52 and two thirds innings pitched, ninth in innings pitched, fifth in FIP, fourth in strikeouts with 195, fourth in K to walk ratio with 2.7, and third in Ks per nine with 6.9. He finished third in Fangraphs WAR that season, and then. The Phillies, as a team, had been steadily improving with the development of young stars like Mike Schmidt, and they won 71 games in 1973, 80 in 74, 86 in 75, and then 101 in 1976, claiming the National League East title. And because of the improvement with the team, Carlton was able to go 20 and 7 with a league-leading 741 winning percentage, and therefore getting more Cy Young consideration. He finished fourth and also 15th in the MVP vote. So, of course, the Phillies get to play in the playoffs now. Uh, but in game one of the National League Championship Series against the Big Red Machine, he allowed five runs in f- four of them being earned in seven innings to get a 6-3 loss. And the Phillies eventually got swept in that series. Yeah, no one was, you know, no one was getting past that Big Red Machine, especially in uh, in 76. They did not lose a game in, that, in those playoffs. Uh, and... Now we head into another uh, stage of Steve Carlton's career where, you know, he's going to get some more, uh, some more trophies, but he's not exactly going to follow them up like, uh, like, you know, a usual career would kind of follow uh, an award up. So in 1977, Steve Carlton finished third in innings pitch with 283, fourth in whip with a 1.12 whip, third in hits per nine with 7.3 hits per nine, fourth in strikeouts with 198, tenth in FIP with a 347, fourth in ERA with a 264, and third in ERA plus with a 153 ERA plus. I believe this was this was the best ERA plus he had had uh, since his 1972 season. It had been five years, and he finished seventh in B WAR and tied for sixth in F WAR. 
uh, also in 1977, hit 268 with a 684 OPS, also three home runs and 15 RBI uh, with the bat himself. So contributing every start, both pitching and hitting, was almost an average hitter uh, when he was uh, in games that he pitched, in games that he was playing in. And he, uh, with those numbers, he led the he led pitchers in position player war. Uh, in other words, he had the most contributions uh, with the bat for all among uh, among pitchers. And Steve Carlton also led the league in wins with 23. That's going to play a big factor in the awards voting in 1977. And uh, you know what I will say because you know spoiler, I'm gonna. I'll spoil it. Steve Carlton in 1977, he wins the Cy Young despite finishing seventh in B war and tied for sixth in F war. But I do, even, even though he led the league in wins and that's kind of the most obvious thing to point out, there's still a, there's still a solid case to make for Steve Carlton. And I'm not even, I'm not that mad at him winning the 1977 Cy Young. Uh, He had at least 22 more innings then the three men ahead of him in ERA. So he had the overall production and he had nearly half a run less in ERA than the two men ahead of him in innings pitch. So combination of, of workload and run prevention, Steve Carlton was probably the best in 1977, even if the war doesn't reflect that. So he won the Cy Young, as I said, and he also finished fifth in the MVP vote like he did in 1972. And the Phillies, once again, uh, won 101 games. They won 101 and 61 uh, for the best record in the National League. So Steve Carlton was back at it in the playoffs. However, in or in game one of the NLCS, uh, in game one of the NLCS, he had allowed just one run through his first six, in, first six innings. And then he let three men on in the seventh and gave up a grand slam with two outs to tie the game five to five. So through six innings, he was cruising. Then he gave up a a grand slam in the seventh. He ended up with five earned runs allowed in six and two thirds innings pitch in a no decision. Uh, But however, this was in a game that the Phillies eventually won against the Dodgers seven to five. So Steve Carlton was, was off the hook for game one of the NLCS. However, the Phillies, lost their next two and in, and in game four of the NLCS uh, he allowed four runs and in five innings pitched and got the loss in a four to one defeat which lost the Phillies the series so more more bad luck more uh, more struggles in the playoffs for Steve Carlton so Steve Carlton would look to expand on the success he had in the regular season and try to get some postseason success going in 1978 and he did just that in the regular season put up a 284 era 126 era plus with a 366 fip finished fifth in k to walk ratio with 2.6 and finished outside the top five uh but in the top 10 in innings pitched strikeouts per nine and era plus he had a he also hit 291 with a 660 ops and had 13 rbis that season with the bat and he was tied for the lead in pitchers uh, in position player B, uh, F4. F4 or B4? Uh, F4. That's what I thought. So, hey, he's doing it from both sides of the ball. 
And the Phillies ended up going 90 and 72, winning the NL East, thus putting them back in the playoffs once again. And in game three of the National League Championship Series, with the Phillies down two to nothing, Steve Carlton found a way to contribute with a bat, something he doesn't usually do in the game. He hits it a long ways to deep right center field. It is out of here. Three run home run. It's a four to nothing ball game. And I tell you, this Dodger crowd is stunned with that three run homer by Carlton. Stunned is right as Carlton goes two for four in the game with four RBIs. He also threw a complete game while allowing four runs in a nine to four Phillies win. But unfortunately, the Phillies did lose the series. But based on that game, obviously, it was not Carlton's fault. So uh, then in 1979, uh, he put up a 3.62 ERA, a 106 ERA plus, and a 3.45 FIP. Finished sixth in innings pitch, second in Ks per nine with 7.6, and second in strikeouts with 213. He also finished fifth in F4. Uh, the Phillies did not make the playoffs this season, though. So then we move on to the 80s. And Steve Carlton, uh, with the turn of the decade, is kind of transforming once again. And this is, uh, this is a late 30s surge that we start to see uh, from the man they call lefty. Uh, this next four years, he's you know consistently one of the best pitchers in baseball with workload, run prevention, strikeouts, FIP, everything. So in 1980, he's kind of coming back, you know, almost to his 1972 form eight years later. It's pretty incredible. He finished third in hits per nine with 7.2, uh, third in whip with 1.10, second in strikeouts per nine with 8.5, and second in ERA with a 2.34. And on to what he led the league in, which was a lot. Led the league in innings pitch with 304, wins with 24, Strikeouts to 286, strikeout to walk ratio with 3.2, FIP with a 242, and ERA plus with a 162 ERA plus. He also led the league in both B War and F War. And in fact, no one in Major League Baseball, uh, no pitcher in Major League Baseball was, was within two F War or three B War. So, and then, you know, this is pretty spectacular to do at the age that Steve Carlton was. This was his age 35 season. And, you know, we weren't seeing a lot of these kind of late 30s, mid to late 30s surges um, like we did with Steve Carlton. And in fact, it is the only season by a pitcher in their age 35 season or older in the live ball era with 300 plus innings pitched and a FIP of less than 2.45. It is also the only season by a pitcher in their age 31 season or older since 1884 with 300 plus innings pitched and eight plus strikeouts per nine. And also it is the only season by a pitcher in their age 35 season or older in baseball history with 300 plus innings pitched, 200 plus strikeouts and an ERA plus of 160 or better and the Phillies ended up also succeeding probably a lot because of Steve Carlton and his 24 victories Phillies went 91 and 71 and won the National League East 
once again for the fourth time in five years. So then in game one of the NLCS, of course, Steve Carlton is going to get the get the ball in game one. Game one of the NLCS, we start to see Steve Carlton turning it around in the playoffs. He allowed one run in seven innings and earned the win in a three to one victory over the Astros. Then in game four of the NLCS, the Phillies had actually lost their uh, their last two. And, you know, this was back when the championship series was only a best of five instead of a best of seven. And with the Phillies down 2-1 in the series, facing elimination, Steve Carlton allowed two runs in five and a third innings pitch and got a no decision in a game that the Phillies eventually won 5-3. And the Phillies also won game five. And finally, the Phillies were in the World Series after, after three times in, in Carlton's career they got to the championship series but not the world series they finally uh break that mold so now on to the world series uh can Carlton translate his success he gets the ball in game two because he had pitched two recently and in game two of the world series uh, the Phillies are up one nothing in the series uh, Carlton allowed four runs only three of them being earned in eight innings pitch striking out ten and also, he limited the Royals with runners in scoring position. The Royals went one for nine with runners in scoring position off of him. He was, you know, even though he allowed base runners, he was still able to prevent runs. One for nine with runners in scoring position off of Carlton. And Carlton earned the victory in a six to four victory over the Kansas City Royals, giving the Phillies the two nothing series lead. So the next three games consisted of one Phillies win and two Royals wins. So game six of the World Series, uh, the Phillies were one win away from winning the World Series. And, you know, if, if you didn't know, the Phillies had yet to win a World Series. And this was 1980. There had been uh, 76 World Series beforehand. And, you know, it's not like there were 30 teams in the MLB the whole time, you know, the Phillies were there when there were 16 teams and they were still not able to win any world series. So this was a huge deal to the city of Philadelphia. So we're going to take a look at how Steve Carlton handled this pressure. 24 and nine on the year, probably the Cy Young award winner in the national league this year. They are really up. Knock him out 10 times out on strikes. Willie Wilson. Knock him out. Bouncing ball, Trio to his right, has it in time. So it's three up, three down for the Kansas City Royals, bottom of the first. Double play ball, four, one, cinch, two. Out on strikes, that is the third strikeout for Carlton. Willie Wilson would have the dubious distinction. He's out on strikes. Bouncing ball, this could be two, there's one, there's two. Ray to Boa. So the Kansas City Royals go down. The fifth, no outs. Phillies lead two to nothing. He blew it by him. Strikeout number five for Carlton. Phillies lead two to nothing. Aiken, did he get him? He did. He really broke off a high. Slider, but he may have set up the whole inning. Cardinal pops it up. 
Short right field, trio back. He will take it himself as he waves McBride off. You have guys like Kyle McRae, George Brett, Amos Otis. Those guys drive in runs. Uh, you can't say I'm not getting on base. He's going to make Good. Looked like a breaking ball, Tom. Tapped. Carlton will have to make the play. He does. So the Royals go down in the seventh inning. So Steve Carlton handles the pressure better than anyone else could have. And ultimately, he shut the Royals out for the first seven innings. He allowed two base runners to start the eighth. One of them scored, uh, giving Carlton one run allowed and seven plus innings pitched. He also struck out seven batters, and he ultimately earned the win in a four to one victory over the Royals, giving the Phillies their first World Series ever. And Steve Carlton was a huge part of this uh, historical breakthrough with the Phillies. Throughout the playoffs, he had a 3-0 record and a 2.30 ERA in 27 and a third innings pitch, uh, being automatic legend status in the city of Philadelphia. So now we got to go into the 1981 season. On April 29th, Steve Carlton got one of his many Big milestone moments on the mound. MLB Network remembers April 1981. On April 29, 1981, Steve Carlton joined one of baseball's most exclusive clubs, becoming only the sixth pitcher in baseball history to record 3,000 career strikeouts. But when he fanned Tim Wallach of the Expos that night, Carlton became the sole member of a subset of that club, the first lefty to do it. He struck him out. There it is. Well, I was out here warming up, and I was really excited and overthrowing the ball. I, you know, an extra day's rest will help you do that, too. And I was really, you know, really happy that uh, we got it over with in the first inning. Just 11 days before Carlton did it, Tom Seaver got his 3,000th career strikeout. So April 1981 saw two Hall of Fame pitchers reach that milestone. So Steve Carlton, like Bob Costas said, became the first lefty with 3,000 strikeouts. And the player strike happened that season on June 12th, which ended on July 31st. So play resumed on August 9th. And Carlton, uh, before the strike, had a 280 ERA and 106 innings pitched. After the strike, a 193 ERA and 84 innings pitched. And he finished second innings pitched with 190, sixth in hits per nine with 7.2, second in strikeouts with 179, fourth in K to walk ratio with a 2.9, third in FIP with a 233, fifth in ERA with a 242, and third in ERA plus with 151. He led the league in strikeouts per nine with 8.5. He led wins above replacement on both websites, and he finished third in the Cy Young vote and ninth in the MVP vote. And because of the shortened season, MLB expanded the playoffs from four teams to eight. And the first round was the division winner of the first half against the division winner of the second half. And the Phillies went 34 and 21 in the first half and earned a playoff bid uh, in the second half 
against the second half NL East winners, which would be the Montreal Expos. So in game one of the NLDS, Carlton allowed three runs in six innings, a quality start, but he got a 3-1 loss so the offense couldn't get it going. And all LDS games were played consecutively without days off, just like they were this previous year. So that pushed Carlton's second start to a do-or-die game five. And in that winner-take-all game, he allowed three runs in eight innings, but got the loss in a 3-0 defeat, which ultimately ended the Phillies season. So some tough luck uh, for Steve Carlton there. Um, did, did what he could, but got the loss in both starts. Um, not really his fault. So now we move on to 1982. Um where Carlton kind of got off to a rough start. Uh, he had a 6.19 ERA through his first five starts, but in his remaining 33, a 2.73 ERA. He ended up finishing seventh in hits per nine with 7.7, eighth in whip with a 1.15, third in strikeouts per nine with 8.7, fourth in strikeout to walk ratio with 3.3, uh, eighth in ERA with 3.10, and seventh in ERA plus with a 119 ERA plus. He ended up leading the league in wins with 23. That's going to be very important. Uh, innings pitch with 295 and two-thirds innings pitch. Complete games with 19, shutouts with six, strikeouts with 286, and fifth with a 241. Led the league in all those categories. He ended up finishing fifth in B war and he led the league in F war. And because of largely because of the wins and also the workload almost getting 300 innings and almost also getting 300 strikeouts he ended up winning the Cy Young his fourth Cy Young and he finished ninth in the MVP vote and with this award he became the first pitcher to win four Cy Young awards uh, three have joined him since then but Steve Carlton was the first that's good trivia because you know for your casual fan they probably wouldn't know that Steve Carlton was the first to get uh, four Cy Youngs and some, you know, this was his age 37 season. So, of course, we got to have some age statistics, some age how about that's, uh, if you will. Age so, knows no number. Uh, age knows no bounds in baseball. Yeah, with especially when, uh, when you're throwing hard from the left side mm -hmm. uh, with a good slider like Steve Carlton. And there are two seasons since 1884 by a pitcher in their age 31 season or older with 295 plus innings pitched and eight plus strikeouts per nine. Those two seasons are 1980 Steve Carlton and 1982 Steve Carlton. So he holds the only two seasons uh, like that 295 plus innings pitched, eight plus strikeouts per nine. And it is the only season by a pitcher in their age 37 season or older in the live ball era with 250-plus innings pitched and a FIP of less than 2.5. And it is also the only season by a pitcher in their age 37 season or older in baseball history with 290-plus innings pitched and 8-plus strikeouts per nine. So, you know, the, the theme of all that is, you know, you don't see a lot of guys – that age pumping out strikeouts and innings like that steve carlton is the only way is the is the only guy to really uh do that so then we move on to 
1983. You know that, or yeah, we move on to 1983. Post Cy Young, maybe he can get a fifth one. And the season kind of concludes, you know, kind of concludes it's either his last start or his second to last start. Steve Carlton, we've talked about him leading the league in wins. This time he's earning a very special victory. Deep behind the base at third. Here is a pitch to Ozzie. Swing and a miss. A slider down and in, and he struck him out. The time I faced him was in spring training. <laughs> Hendrick on three and two. Strikes out. The inning's over. So two strikeouts in the inning for Carlton, who in addition to trying to win his 300th game is adding to his strikeout total. And pitches. Inside again on the corner. Strike call. This time Lonnie questions the home plate umpire. Strikeout number four for Carlton. And that's all. One step. And Andahar strikes out and the inning's over. And Brummer's pretty smart, isn't he? One step lead down there. That's one step too much. Here's the pitch. It's a strike on the corner and McGee howls about the call. The inning is over. He's ready. Here's the 3-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. That's nine strikeouts now for Carlton. A hit and a man stranded for the Redbirds. Rayford will bat for Lottie. Brewer strikes out, and that's the tenth strikeout for Steve Carlton. Looking for his ninth complete game. Payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. He strikes out McGee, and that's 11 now that he's banned. Steve Carlton. Going for victory number 300, and he's closing in. He fires. Swing and a miss, and down goes Hendrick, and that's a dozen he's fanned now. Holland brings home a 2-2 pitch. Obi swings and strikes out, and that's the way it ends. And that's the 300th career win for Steve Carlton. Carlton goes out to shake hands with the reliever, Al Holland. And Holland, in return, gives the baseball and a big hug to Steve Carlton. Well, a historic moment for Steve Carlton. He is the 16th pitcher in the history of the major leagues to win number 300. Steve Carlton's wife, Beverly, is at the ballpark, and the photographers have a field day as Carlton and his wife embrace after this historic accomplishment, and as well as Carlton winning his 15th and becoming the 16th player to ever win 300. Gotta love getting 300 with 13 strikeouts in the face of the organization that didn't want to give you a raise. Yeah, it is... uh... It is true because, you know, he did get traded by the Cardinals with kind of a, you know. Bad taste in his mouth. Bad taste in his mouth. He was very angered by it, but he ended up, you know, he, yeah, he ended up with a World Series. Mm -hmm. I guess the Cardinals won it in 82, but uh, he, he ended up with another World Series on another team. And, yeah, 300th win uh, that Steve Carlton was able to get on September 23rd mm-hmm. of 1983. So uh, ultimately that season, he finished 10th in ERA with a 3.11, 9th in ERA plus with a 116 ERA plus, 
third in strikeout to walk ratio with a 3.3, and second in FIP with a 2.65 FIP. Um, some some would say he was getting a little unlucky. Uh, he led the league in innings pitched with 283 and two thirds innings pitched. Uh, led the league in strikeouts with 275 and led the league in strikeouts per nine with 8.7. He also finished third in B war and led the league in F war. And it is the only season by a pitcher in their age 38 season or older in the live ball era with 280 plus innings pitched and a strikeout to walk ratio of three or higher. It is also the only season by a pitcher in their age 38 season or older in the live ball era with 280 plus innings pitched and a FIP of less than 2.7. It is also the only season by a pitcher in their age 38 season or older in baseball history with 280 plus innings pitched and eight plus strikeouts per nine. And Carlton also holds the only three seasons since 1884 by a pitcher in their age 35 season or older with 280 plus innings pitched and eight plus strikeouts per nine. There are three such seasons since 1884. Steve Carlton is the owner of all of those seasons. And the Phillies also had success. They went 90 and 72 and won the National League East once again and leaving the ball to Steve to Steve Carlton in game one of the NLCS per usual. And he allowed no runs in seven and two-thirds in, innings pitched and struck out six to earn the win in a one-nothing victory over the Dodgers in game one of the NLCS. Perhaps, perhaps his best, uh, perhaps his best postseason performance, best single game postseason performance yet. Then in game four, the Phillies are up two to one in the series. They, they split uh, games two and three. They're up two one in the series, one win away from clinching. And Steve Carlton went on to continue his success, allowed one run in six innings pitch, striking out seven to earn the win in a seven to two victory over the Dodgers to clinch the National League pennant. So then Steve Carlton would go on to pitch in the World Series. He was the pitcher in game three of the World Series. And the series was tied heading into this game. He allowed three runs, two of them being earned in six and two thirds innings pitch, also striking out seven. However, he ended up getting the loss in a three to two defeat, three to two defeat from the Baltimore Orioles. And the Phillies would eventually lose this World Series not the same luck that they had in 1980. And Steve Carlton kind of uh, dominated the first four, year, first four years of the 80s. From 1980 to 1983, uh, he led the league in innings pitched, strikeouts, uh, strikeouts per nine minimum, 400 innings pitched, strikeout to walk ratio minimum, 400 innings pitched, FIP minimum, 400 innings, and also uh, between 1980 and 1983, led the league in both B-War and F-War. And he was also spectacular, not only in the regular season, but also in the postseason. Uh, from, 1980, from 1980 to 1983, in the playoffs, uh, he had a 2.34 ERA uh, in 61 and two-thirds innings pitch and only allowed two home runs uh, in those 61 and two-thirds innings. So then 
we move on to uh, kind of the fade out of Steve Carlton's career after after kind of dominating those first four years of the 80s. Yeah, so in 1984, this is when Father Time starts to finally kick in at age 38. Um, or sorry, age 39, right? Yeah. Yep. He puts up a 299 ERA and 126 innings pitched in the first half, but then a 430 ERA and 102.1 innings pitched in the second half. Overall, he ended up posting a 358 ERA, 102 ERA plus, and 229 innings pitched. He finished second in innings pitched, fifth in strikeouts, 10th in case in case per nine with 6.4, and ninth in fifth with a 3.17. Still getting unlucky, unfortunately. He ended up finishing ninth in F4 that season. So then in 1985, he put up a 243 ERA in 77 and two-thirds innings pitched before taking his first trip to the DL in mid-June at age at the age of 40. And he came off the DL in September for three more starts in which he allowed 13 earned runs and 14 in the third innings pitched. So he ended up with a 3-3-3 ERA, 112 ERA plus, and a 4-2-2 FIP in 92 innings pitched exactly. So now we're past the age of 40. Now we're past the age of 40 for Steve Carlton. Uh, now we're in 1986, uh, and Steve Carlton is starting starting to, you know, after that injury, you know, we can tell that uh, his decline is happening. Puts up a 6.18 ERA and 83 innings pitch for the Phillies uh, before he was released by the Phillies on June 24th. Um, kind of weird timing because uh, when when he got released, he was 18 strikeouts away from 4,000 strikeouts and, you know, only one other guy up to that point had 4,000 strikeouts uh, with, with Nolan Ryan being that guy. And 10 days later, 10 days after the release from the Phillies, uh, Carlton was signed by the San Francisco Giants. And on August 5th, uh, Steve Carlton was able to get this special strikeout. Hitter, one ball, two strikes, no outs. The 4,000 strikeout of Steve Carlton's major league career. And that's quite a milestone. Well, Joey, he, he, he dropped his cap for the fans. There's a man who doesn't like public display. History in the making, and you're on Giants Vision can see it right in your homes. 4,000 strikeouts for Steve Carlton. Only Nolan Ryan in the history of Major League Baseball has struck out more. So there it is. Strikeout number 4,000, and appropriately, uh, Joe Morgan uh, was actually the play by play announcer. Joe Morgan actually played with uh, Steve Carlton in 1983. Uh, where they almost won the World Series together. Mm -hmm. Also a show to be named later, history alum, unfortunately passed away this past uh, fall. Yeah. Um, one of one of our favorites here on the show to be named later. Um, and he gets to call Steve Carlton's 4,000th strikeout. And I guess the Giants were waiting for that 4,000th strikeout because two, two days later, uh, after that milestone was hit, um, 
Steve Carlton was released by the San Francisco Giants. Five days after that, uh, Steve Carlton was signed by the Chicago White Sox. And Carlton actually didn't do bad with the Chicago White Sox. He put up a 369 ERA, 112 ERA plus, and a 392 FIP in 10 starts and 63 and a third innings pitch with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I would just like up- to point out before you go any further, um, do you want to point out who the manager of this Chicago White Sox team was? Yes, it was the great Tony Larusa. Yeah. Um, wonder what he's doing now. I don't know. I haven't. I don't think we've heard from him for a while. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he's. A, I'm sure he's a very respectable, humble guy. You know, he's obviously makes very good decisions. And if he were to get himself into a little bit of trouble, you know, he'll be humble and uh, not trying to exploit his past uh, to try and get out of something. I don't think that's him. No, definitely not. You know, that, you know, that's how you, that's how you become a hall of fame manager. Yeah. Which he is, you know, Absolutely. he doesn't really have to remind anyone of that. Everyone kind of knows that. Um, Great, great manager in the eighties though. Eighties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tony La Russa, he was him and uh, Harold Baines uh, led them to the 1983 ALS title. Who could forget that? I I mean, I remember it like it was yesterday and I wasn't even alive. Yeah, I mean, it was a, who could forget that, you know, and that's why that that had to be etched across uh, Harold Baines's uh, Hall of Fame plaque. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Carlton. Um, Steve Carlton was uh, managed by Tony Tony Larusa, so don't forget about that. And yeah, a three six nine ERA with the White Sox and sixty three and a third innings pitched worked out for him. Um, however, as a whole. Um, with among the uh, three teams that he played for in 1986, had a 5.89 ERA in 178 and a third innings pitched, and he actually announced retirement after the season, but it was not followed up for for very long. Uh, I don't, he didn't even miss a game, I don't think, because uh, in 1987, he ended up signing with the Cleveland Indians, and on April 9th, uh, him and Phil Necro made history by becoming the first pitchers with 300 wins to appear in the same game for the same team. Uh, And this happened when Phil Necro started a game for the Indians and uh, uh, Steve Carlton relieved that game from Phil Necro, um, making them the only 300 win pitchers to appear in the same game for the same team. Pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, And Carlton's stay with the Cleveland Indians would not be long uh, on July 31st, Carlton was traded to the Minnesota Twins, and ultimately in 1987, he had a 5.74 ERA and 152 innings. Uh, and then we move on to the final year of Steve Carlton's long major league career. So in 1988, he allowed 18 earned runs in nine and two-thirds innings pitched with the Twins, obviously not good at all, before ultimately getting released on April 28th. And he tried to look for more roster spots in the MLB, but unfortunately no one would sign him and thus ending the career of a legend in Steve Carlton. So now he moves into his post career. And after his career, he and his family moved out to Durango, Colorado and lived there. And in 1994, he took his rightful place first ballot in the baseball hall of fame with 95.6% of the vote. And, um, well, he's, uh, he's made some controversial statements, to say the least, since then. Uh, 
for example, he said that um, the previous eight U.S. presidents were guilty of treason and uh, the AIDS virus was created by the government to eradicate gay and black people. So um, that's his word, not ours. We don't, we do not agree with those statements. Uh, I'm sure he's running wild this year with all the conspiracy theories that can be out there. But um, yeah, that is the post-career of Steve Carlton. Yeah, Carlton uh, was a pr pretty wild guy. Uh, definitely thought outside the box. I mean, so, that's, I mean, hey, meditation guy, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Supposed to get you in, a, in your zone. Yeah, and I guess, you know, you know, looking out, not a, a hateful person, just, you know, looking looking for stuff maybe that's maybe not there but ultimately it's about what he did as a pitcher his all-time ranks uh ultimately currently 19th all-time in pitcher baseball reference war ninth in pitcher f war 14th in shutouts with 55 11th in wins with 329 9th in innings pitched with 5217 and two-thirds innings pitched Sixth in starts with 709, and fourth in strikeouts with 4,136. And it's only appropriate that the man nicknamed Lefty uh, gets, you know, some special ranks among left-handed pitchers. He's one of the great all-time left-handed pitchers. He's fifth in pitcher B-War among lefties, second in pitcher F-War, third in shutouts, second in wins, second in innings pitched, first in starts, and second in strikeouts. Uh, behind Randy Johnson. And he also, a fun fact, is the all-time leader in pickoffs with 144. Uh, did not know that heading into this, but uh, definitely kept base runners at bay uh, being the all-time leader in pickoffs. Also, he is 10th all-time in hits among pitchers in the live ball era uh, with 346 hits. He also was a lifetime 201 hitter. So not the worst liability coming up to the plate in the nine spot for um, his whole career up until uh, 1987 when he was in the American League. So now a brief version of talking, giving some, some how about that. Doesn't have very many, but still a very special pitcher. He, his... 11 seasons with 250 plus innings pitched and 6.2 plus Ks per nine are the most in baseball history. And Steve Carlton also has 16 seasons with 150 plus strikeouts and 10 plus complete games. No one else in the history of baseball has more than 12. Uh, so Steve Carlton, ultimately the theme of his career is, um, you know, innings pitched, get, getting deep into ball games, also striking guys out. Lord knows how many total pitches he had in his career with the amount of in innings he was registering and also the amount of strikeouts he was registering. You know, guys not necessarily getting out early in the count. Um, that was kind of that was kind of the theme of his career. Innings and strikeouts uh, kept doing it for ultimately 24 years in the show, and. His legacy, I will say, ultimately, uh, first of all, Steve Carlton was an interesting character, as noted before. Uh, he was someone who was into Eastern philosophy. He accepted letters uh, from Night Watchmen, uh, where 
you know, Ger Eastern German or uh, German philosophers were uh, referenced. Got four to five letters a week for, for that. I, I'm not sure how long. And he also refused to talk to, to the media for the last 15 years of his career. Uh, he, you know, didn't talk to the media at all. Kind of became a mystery man in Major League Baseball. So he was definitely one of the definitely one of the more fascinating characters among, you know, Hall of Fame, big Hall of Fame guys. Not your average, not your average person in uh, among baseball players. And also, uh, Steve Carlton, one of one of the, his biggest legacies will be being one of the biggest factors in winning the winning the Phillies their uh, first World Series ever. That was a big deal. You know, it had, this was the seven, 77th World Series in baseball history, and uh, the Phillies had yet to win one. And Steve Carlton was a big factor in bringing them their first World Series ever because that was kind of the first uh, first dr big drought to be. Yeah. Broken. Because, you know, at that time, the, the Cubs hadn't won it in uh, 72 years, but the Phillies had been around, you know, since the, the Cubs 18th. at least had two. The Phillies straight up didn't have any. Yeah, Phillies had none at all. Um, so that was a very, very big deal, uh, especially at that time. And one, one of his legacies also is, you know, he was one of the early power pitchers. He not only had an effective fastball that, you know, was one of the one of the faster fastballs in the league. He was he also had a legendary slider. Um, and this was a time when not a lot of pitchers had sliders. He kind of took it from. Bob Gibson, but most guys are still going with the, the fastball curveball combination. He was a big slider guy. And in fact, uh, this is a quote from, or this came from Society of American Baseball Research. It says, it says uh, in an interview with Roy Firestone, Carlton was asked, why do you think you were put on this earth? And Carlton replied, to teach the world how to throw a slider. So obviously Carlton was uh, a pretty revolutionary. He took pride in, in his slider and power pitching in general. And one of his legacies also, being one of the greatest Phillies pitchers ever, you could argue the greatest. Um, it's like him and Robin Roberts, uh, I looked up. Those are like the two guys you could make the argument for. Yeah. And I would say Steve Carlton likely on the Mount Rushmore of left-handed pitchers He's when you think of left-handed pitching, it's like him, Koufax. Randy Johnson, you know, Warren Spawn, uh, Koufax, Sandy Koufax, Lefty Grove. He's probably he's on that Mount Rushmore. He's he's probably on that. Steve Carlton is probably on that Mount Rushmore of left-handed pitchers. He actually had the nickname Lefty. Yeah, and he's he's kind of known for that. So. That's that's the legacy of Steve Carlton, and that's that's all I have to say. He was he was Mark like Carlton. he was like basically the guy that gave people in Philadelphia something to be excited about. You know, like they had that big drought; they just weren't. They seemed to not have any hope. And then Steve Carlton, you know, came over and was kind of one of the first pieces of that core to be established. In yeah. 19 so I mean, you know, breaking the curse. Like Steve Carlton was kind of the guy that got it started, really. Yeah, ironically enough. Uh, I mean, the fact that he was, you know, in 72, sorry to interrupt you there, but in 72, you know, he won 46% of their wins. Like, that's, you know, he was there at rock bottom. 
and he went all the way through to the end of 1980 when they eventually won it. Yeah, exactly. And like, ironically enough, the same year Steve Carlton was traded to the Phillies was the exact same year Mike Schmidt made his major league debut. Um, so those were the two guys. Um, Carlton was more successful uh, earlier in the stretch and he was, you know, Mike Schmidt wasn't making an impact in 1972, but yeah, you know, he probably could have maybe requested a trade or something from the Phillies, but he stuck it out the whole way. And ultimately um, they won, they won, uh, I believe something like five, six division titles while he was there and, and uh, two pennants, one world series, and it, it worked out for him. It did. And yeah, and he contributed also to uh, two World Series 13 years apart from each other, the 67 World Series and the 1980 World Series. Yep. Um, so yeah, the Steve Carlton, yeah, one of those guys where, you know, a casual fan sometimes might not even have heard of this guy, especially, you know, younger guys like ourselves. That's right. So that wraps it up ultimately for Steve Carlton, a pleasure to talk about one of the greatest left-handed pitchers of all time. Uh, one of the greatest, greatest strikeout machines of all time. We hope you enjoyed our Steve Carlton part of the episode. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta, follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. Also follow the show Instagram at STBNL podcast. Uh, also, if you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the videos with us, uh, go to our YouTube channel. Subscribe is right. STBNL, uh, STBNL with Christiana and Daniel Curran. One last thing. We would like to thank baseball reference, fan graphs, and society of American baseball research for their contributions to the show. It would not be possible without them. Definitely. Definitely not all those. How about that's, all those only season in baseball history, all that stuff came from uh, baseball reference, which um, shot off to uh, Stathead, which is a subscription service, but it's all, all publicly available. Um, Stathead, eight bucks a month, I would recommend. But anyway, we hope you enjoyed the Steve Carlton part of the episode, and we hope to see you on Friday where we are talking about the 1997 Cleveland Indians. See you then.